150 miles up the road now on the Appalachia Trail. So over 10%, it's starting to get there for us. It's going to take us to in our 70s to finish it, but that's okay. But this year as we were hiking... Um, I'm just going to say we hiked over 80 miles in about eight days, and um, what was amazing was we covered 40 miles in three days. That was the most we've ever done in one stretch, and the 40 miles we covered was all uphill. I mean, like it, I mean, there may have been seven of those that were declines. It was, it was climbing, 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 climbing. How many's ever been backpacking before? How many ever has just had a lot of school books on your back? Maybe a college, yeah. You, you understand how that feels, you know? And so it was a lot of climbing, a lot of weight that, that we had as we were climbing. Um, one thing I thought that would help us feel better and keep us excited about the trip is if we saw a bear, you know? And I would pray every day, Jesus, help us see a bear. I wanted to see a bear. Everybody in front of us in the hike, everybody behind us in the hike, everybody was seeing bears but us. And so I would pray, Jesus, show us a bear. And Amy would pray, Jesus, don't show us a bear. <laughs> and apparently Jesus loves Amy more than he loves me. So, but there was a few things that stood out to me on the hike that I believe God was using as a word for us today as we observed them in the light of experience, as we observed some of the things he was pointing out to me as I was walking um, in light of experience and in light of scripture. And one of my, one of my, my favorite, I got so many favorite passages, but I love Isaiah. And Isaiah 58, 6 says, is this not the fast that I have chosen? Now just listen, is this not the fast that I've chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens? That sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, well, if you haven't walked up underneath a physical burden, you, you may not realize how good that sounds, but physical burdens being unloosed, man, that feels good. But emotional burdens, spiritual burdens, those kinds of burdens being unloosed, man, that's a good thing. And so to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you can break every yoke. And it says here it's a fast. And we're going to look at this whole scripture here in a second. But a fast is a season of increased mindfulness when it comes to the things of God. It's a season of increased mindfulness. It's a season where you're mindful about spiritual matters. And I don't believe it's God's will that we should be crushed down or that we should crush others with excessive burdens. I believe that God wants us to have a mindfulness that he wants us to walk free. Amen? He wants us to walk in a mindfulness that he is lifting the burden from us, that he is causing us to be able to climb the heights that he would call us to and not be weighed down. And so today I want us to stand to our feet and look at this whole passage of scripture and just see the hope that we can find in this scripture because I believe he, God, wants us to carry the spirit of fasting into our lives daily. And I'm not just saying the idea of doing without food. We're gonna look here in a second. I'm saying the spirit of a mindfulness of God regarding who he is, regarding spiritual matters, and the freedom that God brings to us. Amen? That freedom he brings as we carry our load, if you will, on that journey. That, that idea that he is the one that is that, that, that load carrier. He's the one that says, come, those who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I want us to open our Bibles, Isaiah 58. We're going to start at verse 1. It says, cry aloud, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Hey, momentum, y'all a bunch of sinners. 
I mean, that, 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 that doesn't sound like that's lifting our burdens, does it? You know, it's like, I mean, I know that I struggle and you struggle and each of us struggle. Thank God we are the redeemed, amen? We, we may sin, but we're not a sinner any longer. We, we, we're not identified with the burden of being a sinner as we are now Christ's followers. But yeah, there is sometimes the burden of sin. Verse two, yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. You can kind of hear God is a little miffed in this scripture, you know, just a little bit. Because these are people who are fasting on the outside, but not having a spirit of mindfulness about this God of freedom, this God that wants to bring hope to people. They're not walking in that, 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 that burden-removing heart of God, not for their own selves and not for others either. Why have we fasted and, and we see you not? They're, they're upset now back at God. Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? And so they're frustrated. It just sounds like a people that are burdened right now. Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. God starts to speak to them. You're not being mindful of me. You're not being mindful of my spirit. And you oppress your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with the wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Verse 6, is not this the fast that I choose? To lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, that burden, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. And I, I believe that that's that mindfulness of God to walk in freedom, but to also bring freedom to others. There's this mindfulness, this idea that don't say you're doing something spiritual and you're bringing burden upon others. Don't say that I'm finding glory in your sackcloth and ashes, but you don't see me as the God that is here to free you. It's here to help you walk in victory. God doesn't want you to go through life defeated, amen? amen? Sometimes we go through life with defeat, and we almost celebrate it. You know what I mean? No, no, that's not, that's not a fast unto God. It says, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. This mindfulness of God that calls us to be agents of life and light. Amen. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. And you shall call, and the Lord will answer. And you shall cry, and he'll say, I am here. If you take away the yoke from your midst and the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually, and he'll satisfy your desire in scorched places, and he'll make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden. I want to say that again. You shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Father, in the name of Jesus, over the next few minutes, would you just help us to get a picture of what it looks like to walk unburdened, what it looks like to be able to go through life, be able to drink deeply from those waters that come from you, that we wouldn't walk in that burden and we wouldn't put that burden on anyone else, God, that we'd be able to be those, Lord, who walk in the light and the freedom and the joy that comes from serving you and being mindful about you and the things that you would call us to walk in. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Give God a big praise in here, amen.
Amen. I think we can praise him for his word, can't we? Go ahead and have your seat. When it comes to this idea of, of backpacking, I actually brought my pack with me. Now, this pack is a little bit lighter than it was, obviously, on our hiking day, okay? So, um, but this pack only weighs 22 ounces. It's a super light pack. But when it was loaded up for the hike, it had a little more than I like to carry normally. It had 42 pounds in it. I like to be about 35. And so it was a little bit, a little bit much. You know, you had to use the, the belt. You had to use the strap. But just for, for your picture, is that cool? So Amy kept calling me Boy Scout the whole time. Hey, Boy Scout. That was kind of like embarrassing. I don't know why it was embarrassing. It shouldn't be. Boy Scout's pretty awesome. But she kept saying that. But... But here's what's crazy. I want you to hear a few things that that just came to my mind as we were hiking. The first is this. Carrying more early on leads to fatigue, okay? Carrying more early on leads to fatigue. When you begin a hike, especially like the hike that we did, we actually were carrying enough food really pretty much for about the whole eight days we were gone. There was about a day and a half that we didn't have food for because we were going to be hiking into Gatlinburg at one point or hitchhiking into Gatlinburg at one point, do a little resupply and come back out. But that's the reason why we were so heavy, you know, 42 pounds. That was also because of water. And, and when you're starting out a hike, it's kind of wild. The first... 40 miles of this hike that we did were really the toughest those first three days because it was all climbing out of Fontana Dam, clear up to Clingman's Dome, which that's the highest point on the whole Appalachia Trail. So it's just climbing, 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 climbing. And, and the thing about it that's wild is that between there, the water sources are not very plentiful. It was very frustrating. Like, why could they not have organized this in a way where there was more water on the climb and, and, and less water on the decline? God, why? I don't... I don't. And so we're having to carry an extra liter and a half or two liters, you know, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it adds up. And so we're having to carry that on the front side of this hike more so than on the back side. And I got to thinking about that, and and we carry more always on the front side of a hike, you know. That's when you have all your food. Two years ago when Amy and I went, we didn't resupply. We did a 10-day hike without resupply. Ten days of food. It was a lot of weight, you know. Amy's tiny. I want her to hike with me again, so I usually have her about 15, 20 pounds lighter than me because I want her to hike with me again, right? And so, man, it was a lot of weight. This time it wasn't as bad, but it's still bad. It's still a lot, and we carry more on the front side of a hike. But what's funny is it's on the front side of the hike is when your body's not ready for it. It makes no sense. It's like, I'm going to carry more when I'm really not completely, I don't have my trail legs under me. It takes about 40 to 45 miles before you really get your trail legs. So for us, when we do this every year, it's like boot camp every year, you know? For people that do it, once you, middle of the week, I'm like, let's go. We're, we're rocking, you know? But it takes about 40, 45 miles before you really have your legs up under you. But at that point, you've eaten through three days of food, you know? pound and a half each for three days, you know, you've eaten through all that weight, you know, and so it's one of those things, pound and a half a day each for three days, so it, you start to get through a lot of, a lot of that, and, and by the end of the hike, though, it's crazy, I was telling Amy, we're coming down the hill, and my pack is so much lighter, and I'm feeling great, because we're 50, 60, 70 miles into this now, and I'm feeling awesome, and I told her, I said, I wish you could flip-flop the hike. I, I wish there was a way that you could carry more at the end when you're ready for it than at the beginning when you're not. But guys, guess what? There's no way to do that. 
We always carry more at the beginning, and it does in the early stages of the hike lead to fatigue. And I wish we could flip-flop that reality, but you can't. But what I want us to understand is we need to appreciate that reality. And the reason why we need to appreciate that reality is because it's what shapes you and it's what makes you strong. Part of the reason why it felt so easy on the backside, I'm only dropping down about five, six pounds. So it's not that much weight difference. It's that you're getting stronger because of those early days of the hike. Now, let me bring this to bear upon us and the burdens that we carry when we're going through life. You are young with kids. You have no money yet. How many, I mean, us middle-agers, you remember when you were in your 20s, flat out, broke, busted, and disgusted, right? And, 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 and that's when you need the most expenses. That's when the braces are there. That's when all the ball club fees are there. And you have young children. Don't you wish it could be flip-flopped? I used to think in my 20s, I would see my mom and dad. You have nobody in your house. And you make four times what Amy and I make. Of anybody, we should make, Right? It should be flip-flop, but guess what? That's not the reality, is it? It just isn't, you know? And so when we're young, the kids, we have no money. Let's call that strength. We have no strength. It's, it's that burden. That's when that comes, and it makes it hard to carry. Maybe you're early on in your career, and your skill set isn't developed yet, so it takes you longer to finish what you need to finish, you know? You know how to do it. You're just not there yet with your hands. And so you're working harder. You're just not there yet quite with your mind. So you work harder in those early years, in those early days while you're learning your, your trade. But guess what? That's when the kid has the ball game you got to get to. You know, that's when your marriage probably needs the most attention. And so maybe I'm speaking to young people a little bit more here, our 20s and 30-year-olds. But I'm just saying, when it comes down to it, you know, that skill hasn't developed. That's when the kids need you home to help them with homework. And why can't it just be flip-flopped? Why do I have to carry that burden in those days when I'm not ready for that burden? How about this? Marriage. Oh, my gosh. Amy and I had some serious knockdown dragouts. I married an Italian woman. Lucini's looking at me. Oh, my gosh. She's a spicy meatball. She, she was. And, um, and, and, and <laughs> not to throw her to the bus, but she's not here, so <laughs> she's back in the other room. But when it comes to those early years of marriage and you're carrying that burden, you know, listen, it's hard when you're carrying the burden in those early days of marriage, whether it's a new marriage or, 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 or you know, you're in your 30s or 40s, you're just getting married, or you're in your 20s getting married. It's hard because you haven't developed the relational skills yet to carry the weight, you know? The problem with this is, though, fatigue sets in, and guess what? People give up. I want to give you an excuse, not an excuse, permission. I want to give you a pass today. It's okay for you to be flubbing up your marriage in your 20s. I'm not, I'm not saying give up on your marriage, but guess what? You don't have the relational skills to get it right just yet. I just want to challenge you, don't give up, you know? You're figuring out how to balance your life and your work with your kids, and you're in your 20s and 30s trying to get it figured out, and you're frustrated about everything. I get that. I want to give you a pass. I just want to tell you, though, don't give up. Amen? It, you're gonna, that's, this is the hardest season of your life right now in some ways because you're carrying more than you're really able to carry yet. 
But we just read a scripture that showed if we have mindfulness of God, if we have mindfulness of the supernatural, mindfulness of the things of the spirit, that when it comes down to it, we can recognize and know that he will be there to carry our yoke. He'll be there to carry our burden. He'll be there to lift those things that at times seem extremely, extremely daunting, right? And so, yeah, we may carry more early on, and that may lead to fatigue, but guess what? Carrying more early on also leads to strength, amen? And I'm telling you right now, when you see people that have strong marriages, you're seeing a finished thing. You're, you're not seeing, oh my gosh, they went through some stuff. 15 years ago. They went through some stuff 12 years ago. Some folk don't have hair on their head because their wife snatched it out by now. <laughs> 15 years ago, okay? And so, please, I, I, I would be hiking along and I would be seeing these guys that are just flying and I'm just like, I hate you. How, you know, my wife even. Do you know I can walk with my wife? She's always in front of me. If I match pace to pace to pace to pace with my little five-foot-tall wife, she will get away from me. That means her stride is longer than my stride. What does that doesn't make sense? I'm five foot eight. How in the world? I must have these little tiny steps, you know? But I, I've, I've tested it for years, and she will get away from me. But you see, but you know what? That's their hike. And there's something that we say so often when we're hiking is, man, hike your hike, dude. Hike your hike. Don't, don't hike nobody else's hike. Hike your hike. Don't look at somebody else's marriage. Now, there's things that you can emulate and such, but don't look at somebody else's marriage and say, oh, yeah, if we were like that, we wouldn't be fighting like we're fighting now. No, they fought like that, and they got through it. They carried the heavy load, and that's why now with the mindfulness of God in their lives, they're walking supernaturally. They're walking spiritually. There's health in their marriage, and that's what I want to encourage you guys in as well. Carrying more early on does lead to fatigue, and there may be some tired folk in this house this morning, but I just want to say don't give up on the journey. Amen? carry that load because it's that load that will lead to your strength. Now, with that in mind, how do we manage that tension? You know, how do we, how do we handle that? If, if we've got to carry the load still and it is a little bit too much for us, we got to get an assist. And so I, I cannot hike. I'm just going to be honest. I don't hike without trekking poles. I just don't. I, there's just no way that I will trust my ankles. I played, I skateboarded until I was almost 27. I played soccer until I was 32. And my ankles will fold in half. And so I use trekking poles, okay? And what's neat about a trekking pole is you actually, have you ever, have you guys used ever, raise your hand if you use trekking poles. Oh, I'm going to teach you. Okay, so you, you don't, you don't, this isn't so you don't lose them, you know. Oh, I lost my trekking pole. What this is, is you put this on your wrist and you go like this and then you grab the pole, okay? It's not like this. There's no strength there, okay? You go like this and your weight even if you let go of that, your weight is on that trekking pole. So for me, when I'm hiking, man, I am moving, you know, like this. And there is times while I am hiking that a rock will get me, and it'll be a little bit uneven, and I'll feel that ankle go, and I grab that, and I hold on, you know. Two or three times this trip, you know, there was a few opportunities for me to have folded an ankle. Probably would have if I wouldn't have had my assistance, my help with this because the burden is heavy. I need some assistance. I need some help just like you. And so I want to challenge you. Second thing here is use resources around you to help you on your journey. Yeah, the burden's going to be heavy, but use those resources. Sometimes the weight is too much to carry 
without some extra help. And I find a lot of stability comes from using my trekking poles, especially when I'm, when I'm going downhill. I'll actually extend these out about another three inches so I can kind of feel, keep my body up vertical as I'm, I'm grabbing onto rocks and things and walking down the hill. And so you need an assist. And I got to thinking about that when it comes to this idea of handling, handling this weight. Because so often it's the weight that causes the injury. Yeah, I can handle that hill without weight, but it's the stress of the marriage. It's the stress of the kids. It's the stress of the finances. And I'm not saying there's any excuse, but I'm saying on your own, trying to bear that up by yourself, man, you are risking injury. And there are relationships. There are family budgets. There are whole legacies that get ruined. Because people will not have an assist, because people think they can handle it on your own. And let me tell you, going downhill, you can't handle it on your own. And so there's two things in my mind when I think of needing that assist to carry this load. The first is the Word of God, amen? I'm going to use that one as the right one. That's the Word. You need the Word of God in your life. The Word in your, of God in your life, it even says this, the Word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, Amen? One day, um, one, it was actually our last day, we decided we wanted to go see a sunrise. Mount Cameron has an outlook that's just beautiful. And so we woke up at 4 in the morning, and I went to bed about 8 at night to make it possible, 8.30. We woke up at 4 in the morning, pitch dark. Now, mind you, this is a camp where we were that close to seeing a bear, almost. We're up at the shelter, and the guy's down there in the tent area, and um, we hadn't got down there yet. And he goes, oh, there's a bear! And so a couple of us guys run down the hill because we want to see it running away, and it was gone. It was gone. He goes, it was like this tall. And Amy's like, we're sleeping in the shelter tonight, <laughs> you know. And, um, but we got up that early that morning, and, and by 4.50, we were on the trail to do a 3.2. Had to be there by 6.20, 6.30 for the sunrise. And, and, um, but I'm going to tell you right now, I needed a light onto my path. I needed something to help feel, feel the way. And I had a headlamp. But it was the word. It was this right here. It was that trekking pole that gave me sure-footedness. And I'm going to tell you right now, why is it that we think we know more than the word of God? Why? why? I mean, so often the issues we have as believers is we know what the word says. We don't care enough to live it. And then somehow it's God's fault when we fall into the ditch, when we snap our ankle, when we have an issue. It's just, God's not a cosmic killjoy. He doesn't want you snapping an ankle. <laughs> he wants you running through life, mounting up with wings as an eagle, running and not growing weary. Amen? That's what he wants from us, and his word gives us that ability. There is no way that night in the dark, and I don't have good night vision. I got bad hearing. I got bad eyes. I'm telling you, know, Amy drags me along as we go. But at night, I, mean, I can't see. Without these, I would have hurt myself. And without the word of God and just saying, you know what? I don't have to understand it. It says it. I'm going to live it. Amen? When it comes to sexual things, it says it, and I'm going to live it. I'm going to live the way I'm supposed to live. Amen? When it comes to dealing with addictions and struggles, it says I'm going to try to live what it says. Amen? And so that's the word of God. And, man, now the other thing that you can see, too, use the left hand on this one, okay, is the fellowship of the saints. 
anytime I'm hiking, I need those, both those trekking poles. And I will say this, when it comes to fellowshipping, it goes so much easier and quicker. When you're hiking and you got people around you, you're talking and you're just enjoying the, the ride as you're going, you know. Man, next thing you know, 3.2 miles shows up and you're like, oh, I didn't know, I just walked that, you know. Like I said, we had one day that was over 14 miles. The majority of that day we hiked with some other people and it just went so quick because we were with other people. There's the fellowship of the saints. And for me, that's that other pole. You need the word of God and you need the fellowship of the saints. You need brothers and sisters in your life. In Hebrews 3.13 in the New Life Version, it says, help each other. Speak day after day to each other while it's still today so your heart will not become hard by being fooled by sin. You hear that? How do I keep from being fooled by sin? I got a brother in my life speaking life to me. I got someone saying, hey, there's a rock right there, bro. Hold on. That's going to be a stumbling point. You got to be careful of that. Does that make sense? And so you have the word of God on one side. You've got the fellowship of the saints on the other side. We need both of those things. And here at the church, we, we really try to get some natural connections going with this Momentum Together Facebook page, you know. We know that it cannot be the church's job to make you friendly. We know that, okay. We know it's not the church's job to make people like you. We know that too, <laughs> But it is the church's job, I believe, to facilitate some environments where connections can be made. And so we do that through our team ministries. When you're in a ministry, there's connections with those team mates that you have. We do that through our, our, our um, um, small groups, our journey groups. Literally, my journey group is three people. Very much. One, two. It keeps me rooted, you know. Keeps me on the path. It's the same way in our small groups for you, you know. But we also know there's some people that don't avail themselves of those and and, um, and it would be very easy for us just to say, and maybe we have said that for a long time, you know what, if you're not in a small group, and if you don't serve in ministry, I'm sorry, you're not connected. It's on you, not on us. That sounds cold, huh? So this summer, we decided, no, we're going to try another thing. We're going to try to make another way of making people be able to get some connections, just around natural things. And so we created Momentum Together. It's a Facebook group page where you can go on there. And if you're going to the dog park, hey, I'm headed to the dog park with Fido. Why don't you bring, you know, Cujo with you and we'll go hang out, you know? Going on a quick, I saw a bunch of people when I came off the trail talking about mountain biking, you know? And that was cool. There was people who never mountain biked before. There's people giving them instruction on, this is the kind of bike you want. Hey, here's one from Craigslist. I mean, they're, they're you know, they're helping each other out. And, and um, now, is that spiritual? It's going to get spiritual. Amen? It can be spiritual. Those connections, the word starts to flow in the midst of the fellowship of the saints. It should you know, the word should just flow out of us toward each other. And like I said in that passage of scripture in Hebrews, when it comes down to it, help each other. Speak day after day to each other while it's still today. Don't let us be fooled by sin. Let's work together to be able to get through. Amen? And so that's your group. That's not our group. As much as you build that group, that's how much that group will make a connection for you. You go on that community page and you say events that you're going to, things you want to hang out. Hey, we're going to the Braves on this night. We're going to see Atlanta United. Go through the, go, go, go Atlanta United on this night. If anybody wants to take me there, I'll go with you. <laughs> <clears throat> and so that, that's that, all right? So we have the word of God. We have that idea of the fellowship of the saints. And these are wonderful resources. But if you aren't drinking enough good water on a trail, I don't care how much you have strength in your body. I'm an ox, you know, you may say. 
I've got, I've got my trekking poles. I can handle it. Yeah, but if you're not drinking water, for how long? Amen? You, you cannot get there without good water. You can't get there without that source, that fuel. You just can't do it. It's impossible to do that. And so these are wonderful resources, but if you're drink, not drinking enough water, you'll never make it through your journey. We are deep in the Smoky Mountains, traveling on the Appalachia Trail, and today we came upon a water source, and I really thought it was appropriate for this morning's sermon, and so I want you to see something real quick. This is, this is a water source, and I, I want to ask you, would you want to drink out of this source? So you can <laughs> see, this is kind of a, a, a mushy mess of mud and mire, it's just kind of disgusting and nasty, but what I want you to watch and see what happens here that's absolutely amazing, we come here to a conduit, and this conduit, as you can see at the top of this rock, everything's starting to flow into this. Can you see that water just barely trickling in out of that muddy source, out of all that nastiness, <laughs> you can see and so Amy and I, we're going to drink water from this, okay, from that right there. But the way this works, you see this conduit? Watch this. You come all the way down the length of this conduit. Now, at the other side, it's not just a trickle. I mean, it's starting to come out nice and steady. And you see how nice and clear that is? Nice and clear water on this side. So this right here just speaks a lot to me. So some of you are looking at there like, yeah, there's still no way, Ross. There's, there's, I'm not drinking. I don't even drink from there. <laughs> okay. Man, we've drank off leaves before. Like, like you got just enough water moving. You put a leaf there, and it funnels the water. And, and, um, and now we do filter that one more time. So just to give you a little peace of mind, we do. There's people that don't, but we do. We filter it one more time. But I just, when I saw that, it was so much muck. I mean, I couldn't believe it. And you could, if you walked up any spot in that muck, you could see a little bit of water flowing, just the tiniest bit, just little trickles here, little trickles there. But it came down to that collecting spot, and that was the spot where they placed that conduit. And so let me say it this way. What flows out of our life is directly the result of our decision to allow the Holy Spirit to have his work in our lives or not. So there comes a point when... The Word of God is awesome. I'm not saying it's not. The fellowship of the saints is incredible. I'm not saying that's not. But without the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives, without allowing Him to have His work in our lives, the muck and the mire of who we are will rob us of being able to successfully tackle that journey. We've got to be able to have the Holy Spirit's work in us. And so to me, that muck is kind of like the earth. It's kind of like the, the world we live in. Maybe, maybe even when you think of the muck, it's kind of like us, you know? We're, we're a lot of water, and we're a whole lot of dirt. That's what we are as humans, literally. We're just a lot of water and a lot of dirt. Thank God in the midst of that dirt, God breathes his life into us. That power of his Holy Spirit comes to move in us and to make a difference in our lives. In 58, Isaiah, verse 11, it said, And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places, making your bones strong, and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. 
That's what God wants from us because that's what gets us through the journey. That's what allows us, the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives is what allows us to get there. On the last Sunday of June, Pastor Brantley's going to be teaching about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and just that touch that we have when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit. But I just want you, as we lead into this month, looking at things like this, I just want you to have a mindfulness, a spiritual mindfulness of what God says and to be mindful every day of his spirit. Are we doing things that quench his spirit? Are we doing things that grieve his spirit? We, we, we grieve his spirit when we don't move in step with him. We quench his spirit when we refuse to move in step with him. Either way, we're missing God's flow in our life. And so I want to challenge us, encourage us to allow that conduit, if you will. You know, God, all that he has, he flows it to us through the person of his Holy Spirit. That's how that works. Our access is because of Jesus. But when you say, ooh, I felt Jesus this morning when I woke up. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. No, you didn't. You felt the power of the Holy Spirit this morning when you woke up. Oh, I heard the voice of God tell me to do that. No, you heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, who is God. And so a lot of times we don't give the Holy Spirit as much merit as we need to. And I believe we need to wake up with that in our mind. The Holy Spirit is, is every bit a part of God as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I mean, every bit God as Jesus, every bit God as Father. They are three in one. It's that mystery of the Trinity. And we have got to be people that realize that how our life flows, what comes out of us is a direct result of the decision to allow the Holy Spirit to have his work in our lives or not. And this just doesn't happen on its own. That conduit had to be set in place in the midst of that muck for that to work. And we've got to wake up with a mindfulness of the things of God every day to allow the Holy Spirit to have his work in our lives. Amen? Amen? And so I want us to understand this. Like on our trip, we met a man we called Loki. That was kind of his trail name. And Loki, he was a six foot four tall fellow with a big, huge red beard. And his name really worked. That's the Norse god of mischief. And it really worked. Somebody told me today that he's also in a movie with a guy with a hammer. I, 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 don't, I don't know these things, but, but I heard this. And so, um, <laughs> is that the movie where the one guy dies? No, I'm not going to go into that. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. See, I didn't say nothing, so nobody knows anything, right? And when it came down to it, this guy, we met him at camp telling stories. And he was telling one story after one story. And his stories were laced just perfectly with the profanity and vulgarity that his life experiences had afforded him. Okay? And um, he was a combat infantryman in Iraq. Wonderful guy. Um, he spent the last 10 years as a carny. And I loved it. Because here's what he said. He goes, he goes, I'm a carny, but I'm a carny with teeth. Had this beautiful smile. And he goes, he goes, I'm a carny with teeth. I'm a professional. <laughs> and that was his lead in line. I heard him say that probably five or six times with different groups that came through. And man, we fell in love with Loki. What a neat guy. But oh my word, some of the stories that he shared were really, really quite something, you know. Um, whew, you know. The next morning we realized that he had the shakes. The next morning we were standing there talking to him and he was just, and I'm like, you okay, bro? And we were the only ones left at camp. It was actually one of our first short days that we had. And so we weren't leaving camp till about 10. And, um, and he was just shaking. He goes, yeah, I'm detoxing. He said, I came on the trail 
to kind of kick some stuff, some alcohol and some other stuff that I struggle with. And he was just shaking, just, just horribly, you know. And, um, and so I was proud of him. I told him, I'm proud of you for coming out here. That's scary, you know. And um, he said, yeah, I did it a couple years before and, and got real sick. And, and I'm a little bit nervous how this is going to be the next few days. But I just needed to get away from that environment. And this is a great way for me to do it, you know. And so the night before, though, when we hung out and listened to this guy, we didn't reject him. There were some folks that just kind of walked away and weren't listening to his story. You could just tell he was hungry. For that connection. And we didn't reject him. We stayed in the midst there. And in a sense, I felt like we allowed the Holy Spirit to be laid in the midst of that messy situation. God, what are you going to do? What are you going to flow in and through in this moment? And um, so we embraced him right where he was. And then that morning, he started talking a lot about his life and some of the things he was forced to carry on his journey um, when he was really young that blew our minds. His mother left him at a bus stop when he was nine years old to go to his dad never to be seen again to this day 35 years old has never seen his mom he's got on his arm um, a hand with the middle finger pointed up and on the back of the hand it says mom kind of like the ultimate f you now i probably shouldn't think that was good but i thought that was a pretty creative way of saying that just being honest i was like that's creative you know we talked about that a little bit on his right arm, he had the start of chemical compounds of the drugs that he has been taking through his life. And his whole vision is to have it tattooed completely with the chemical compounds of all the different drugs that he has taken. I think I said that right, the molecular compound um, on his arm. Guy, guy had been, you just tell, gone through so much, but brilliant, just in his conversational ability, just absolutely a brilliant young mind. Um, man, we enjoyed being with him so much. Um, he talked about how um, at six years old, he smoked pot and began to smoke pot repeatedly from six years old on. He talked about how about nine years old, he was at a neighbor's house, and, and they let him have booger sugar for the first time, cocaine, you know, at nine years old. And so this was his life. And um, he ended up turning things around, went to the military. Um, said in the military, he learned a lot about drugs, you know, toward the end of his military career. Um, but he, he served our country faithfully. And so we spent the better part of that day hanging out with, with Loki that, that day. And, and at one point at the end of that day, this is the second day of knowing him, he goes, so T-Rex, that's me. <laughs> so, that's my trail name. Amy is Iron Mama because she's fierce and she has five kids. Um, but he said, so T-Rex, what do you do? What do you, what, what, what do you mean, what do I do? What, what, do you, what do you do? Like in the real world, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm a pastor. What? <laughs> really? I never knew. He goes, I thought you guys were spiritual. That's what he said. But a pastor, really? He, and he, he went on to say, I've never met a guy. You know how that goes, you know. When you're just real with folk, you know, you don't have to cuss with them. You don't have to tell vulgar stories with them. But when you decide to allow that Holy Spirit to get in the midst of that, whew, life starts to flow. In the middle of that, man, God just started doing a work, and he says to me in that midst of that, he says, you know what, I, I don't really believe in, like, God, he goes, but I believe in the verse, like the universe, and he goes, you know, Ross, you know, he said, the verse is always taking care of me, and, um, and we talked all day long about the verse, I just let him talk about the verse, you know, later that night, we're talking some more about it, and, you know, he asked me, like, why, why, why do you believe in this stuff? 
And I just said, you, dude, when you see your dad go from being who he was to who Jesus made his dad, your dad, I talked about my dad's life change. How can I not serve this Jesus, you know? And I told, I told Loki, I said, here's the thing, you got to understand, you can call him the verse, God's got big shoulders. He doesn't take offense to that. You call him the verse, I'll call him God, you know? And I said, I think God can handle you calling him the verse. And he's like, that's cool, that's kind of open-minded. Well, obviously, by the end of the, the, the three or four days together, I finally said what I've always told people, but what I want you to do when you think about the verse, because I think the verse has a face. I think the verse has a son. I think the verse, I think Jesus is the most amazing person in the planet. Not, not, not church, not Christians, Jesus. And I just want you to start praying this on the trail. I want you to say, Jesus, if you're real, make yourself known to me. And you're intelligent, dude. And when he starts to do that, when he starts to make himself known, just know it's not just the verse that's impersonal. It's Jesus. It's the son of God that can be a personal relationship with you. And so, you know, and then that was that night. And then the next day we get up and we're talking some more. We're on our night hike heading to, 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 to see the sunrise. And yes, he was, our, he was our, our third wheel. It was awesome, you know. And so we're going to see the sunrise. And the next morning as we're hiking, he goes, you know what? I can't believe this. And I said, what? He goes, I'm not, he goes, I'm not shaking. Put his hands out. He goes, I'm not shaking. I said, well, it's been a couple days now. And he's like, no. He said, you don't understand. He said, I almost went into a coma the last time, held up in a shelter, passed out. He's like, I'm not shaking. And so he said this. Here's what he said. He goes, there's like, there's like something powerful about you two. And he goes, I, I think it's affecting me. And I go, I know it's affecting you. And it's not us, that's Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit, that's the power of God. It's not just an impersonal universe. God knows what you're going through right now and he's making a difference. He wants you to see that. And he was like, man, I just really appreciate all the positive energy you guys are giving off. And I was like, dude, it's Jesus, you know? You know why? Because we are dirt. But we're God breathed into dirt. And Loki just doesn't know that he's still a God-breathed-into piece of dirt. And I'm a God-breathed-into piece of dirt, and so are you. And when it comes to our life, and there's sins, and there's struggles, and there's various things in our life that, that, that we know is just dirt in our life, we, we can't walk through that enough. We, we can't even word it enough. We, we, we can't get our friends to help us enough. We, we got to allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in us and through us. Amen? And so we're just, like I said, big piles of dirt, but we've chosen to let a conduit bring fresh water to us, bring life to us. We've chosen that in the midst of muck and mess that we don't need to run to that, that dirt, that muck, that mess. We need to look into what and where the water is already present and allow the Holy Spirit to be a conduit to bring on that life-giving flow. Now listen, it's easy for us to look at our friend. Let's stand to our feet. It's easy for us to look at our friend and say something like this. Say like, you know what? I would never have a threesome. A few of our stories were that, not ours, his. You might say, oh, I never would do that. Okay. What do you join yourself with in sin? Because you have a threesome all the time, trying to pull God into the midst of sin all the time. I, I don't know what that sin is in your life. I know what it is in my life. But that's that muck and that mire that I want to allow the Holy Spirit 
to be, God, do a work in this. You don't have a vision to celebrate all the drugs that you've used on your arm through tattoo drawings of molecular compounds of drugs? No. But when it comes down to it, what, what is it? What is it? What muck do you keep the Holy Spirit out of in your life? Close your eyes. We're going to close with this. What muck do you keep the Holy Spirit out of in your life? What are you keeping from being touched by the Holy Spirit in your life right now? Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I'm just going to get real quiet. I want you to be thinking about it. I'm going to go back to prayer. Just be thinking, what is it that you feel, yeah, it is that dirt, it is that muck, it is that thing that's weighing me down. It's that thing that's causing the burden to be even heavier than it needs to be. It's that thing that I don't allow the mindfulness of God to go toward. Take a moment and think about that. Do you have that in your mind? Jesus, right now, I thank you that when we go through this journey of life, that our burden does not have to be heavy. Your word tells us, Lord God, that our burden can be light. Lord, I believe that's because we have the assist of the Spirit. We have the assist of the Word of God. We have the assist of the fellowship of the believers. And Lord God, right now in our lives, we just lay that before you at this altar in the mighty name of Jesus. Maybe for you, you've never, you're on that journey and you've never decided to walk after Jesus. If that's you right now, I'm, I'm, I want you to look up here if that's you and just hold your hand up and say, Ross, that's me. I want to follow after Jesus today. I want to leave here knowing that I can walk with Jesus in my life, helping to carry every burden. Maybe for others in the room, it's just that thing that we hold back from God, that muck that, that God wants to get in the middle of and bring life from, and bring life out of it, bring life in the midst of it. Jesus, whatever that might be, this week as we go on our journey, would you just continue to remind us daily to be in the Word, daily to be connected to the fellowship of the believers, and daily to allow your Spirit, to have a mindfulness of your Holy Spirit in our lives as you bring life in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.